0: Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hello, friend. So, coming back at you on a Monday, so we're back to the regular schedule after... A slight interrupt to the normal every Monday schedule that we had due to my laser eye surgery last week. And this is podcast number 53. Man, these numbers just keep getting higher. And I keep, uh... It just, it feels weird. Like, in a way, it feels like I've done this forever. uh, Even though it hasn't even been a year yet. Uh, But in other ways... It feels like I just started, and yet to already be on number 53 is pretty cool, and uh, I see the downloads keep going up every month, and uh, right now it's the third when I'm recording this, third of November, and the downloads are already looking to shatter last month's record. It keeps getting higher and higher, so I appreciate all of you who keep tuning in, all of you who have subscribed, those of you who have left reviews, I appreciate it. If you haven't left a review please go to iTunes and leave a quick review if you feel like you can give it five stars. Again, if you feel like you cannot give this podcast five stars for whatever reason, uh, I just want to know how to serve you better. So shoot me an email, joseph at com. Let me know how I can serve you better um, if you feel like you can't give the, f- the five stars because please don't ruin the... Uh, perfect five-star rating we have, at least in the places I've looked, um, because that will not help us to grow this podcast. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather know what it is I can improve, and then improve it so I can earn the five stars from you. Um, and if you haven't left a review and you've been listening for a long time, you've been freeloading, I forgive you, but please go leave a review. It'll be super helpful to me, Um, and I would appreciate it. That and 53 podcasts in, that's hours and hours and hours of hopefully helpful content, and all I ask in return, a review. That's it. Take you five minutes. Tops. Probably less. Um, So, that being said, let's dive into what we're talking about today. So, Today we're talking about three things to learn from music composers. Now, I'm sort of in an interesting place because I started out as a songwriter when I was, really I started trying to write songs when I was like 11 or 12. Um, But I was really developing into, you know, actually being a songwriter around ninth grade of high school. But I did not know music theory. I knew music theory, you know, because I, 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 I did classical piano lessons, you know, since I was five. So, like, I knew how to read music. But I didn't understand music theory, really. And I didn't know the importance of it, right? I was in ninth grade. And when you're in ninth grade, no offense if you're in ninth grade, but, you know, you're, you're stupid. <laughs> Everybody's a different level of stupid in high school, right? Like... Like, I'm not saying you're stupid and you'll always be stupid, right? I'm just saying that, you know, kind of like middle schoolers, right? Like, it, you just roll your eyes because they think they're so cool and you're like, man, in five years you're going to think, wow, what was the matter with me, right? So we've all been through that. So no offense if you are in high school. I'm sure you are still awesome, even if you are not as smart as you will one day be. Um, So... Being in ninth grade, you know, I, I, I didn't really know what I was missing out on. And that's true of anything, right? Like if you don't know you're lacking in certain knowledge, you, you don't – you might think you no, you don't need it even though you do. And so that's why here on this – if I may get on a soapbox for a second. That's why on this podcast I, I – you know there there's so many songwriters out there who'd be like, "Oh, you don't need music theory I don't that's for like scholastic blah 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 that's for people with a pretentious music degree blah like that's a bunch of crap it's just a bunch of crap like like that the idea that that something that is explaining how sort of how to think through music and how music works is something that you don't need to know in order to write music. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, like, nobody who knows music theory would ever say something that asinine. But it's, it's very common for people to just stubbornly want to think that they don't need to change anything about themselves, so they refuse to learn theory. Anyway, uh, this podcast is not about music theory, at least not directly. Oh, but that's why I talk about music theory a lot because uh for me, well, we'll just get back to the story so i took i I knew that I was going to be quote unquote responsible for college and get a degree in something that would pay well and that I would enjoy that um you know if if I had a family because i was I was hoping to have a family fairly quickly after I've always been a helpless romantic um I wanted to feel like as, as husband, I was a good supporter. And I wanted my wife to always have the option to work if she wanted or to not work. Um, I, cause I've, I've seen too many where, you know, there's too much stress on one person or the other to, to carry the load. And I thought, well, if I'm the person who can carry the load that relieves the stress for my wife, uh, well, my future wife, cause obviously I'm in ninth, 10th grade at this point. Um, So, all to say, I knew that I was going to do something like psychology, which was one of the two things I was considering, and the other one being software development or computer science, which is what I went with. If you've been listening for a while, you know that. And I'm a software developer by day. Um, So I knew I was going to do that. So I knew that high school was my time to take all my music classes because I was going to be busy, you know, doing engineering stuff or whatever in college. So... I took music theory and then music composition classes in high school. And it totally changed uh my songwriting. It made songwriting so much easier and it made so much more sense. It it, it gives sense to what you're doing. It's like trying to write a book without understanding how stories should be written, and in the ways you can make characters more compelling, and 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 you know the way you can ramp up how somebody feels sympathy for a character, or or um, you know sp- just just being intentional about you know understanding the things you can do to make a, a character grow in a certain way. And sure, you can write a great book without knowing all of that book knowledge. But, how much easier is it going to be to write a great book if you do understand that right? Like more knowledge is never going to hurt you well, usually not going to hurt you. I think there are some instances where it can when you start getting pretentious about it um and and believing that you know everything needs to be complex in order for it to be good, which is a whole nother thing but um, so where this podcast this specific episode is coming from is i I, I have sort of the unique experience of starting as a songwriter who then got into legit music com- composition because uh, I had a whole year of music composition classes and I got really into it. So I actually have experience with music composition and songwriting. And I think the tendency um, is 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 for songwriters and composers to be extremely separate. And I don't think it's good for either party. Um, And I feel like I sort of have a, a not completely unique, but different perspective being somebody who's done both. I'm more of a songwriter than I am a composer, uh, partially because songwriting is my preferred method generally. Um, But I do understand both. And I, um, to an extent, understand both perspectives. And I see how they are the same and how they are different. And that being said, I do think there are these three main things, and there are certainly other things that I'm sure we'll cover, but there's three main things that we're talking about today that um, I think we as songwriters really need to understand from, that cause it sort of comes from a little bit more of a music composition perspective. So first, let's, let's sort of look at what the difference is, because they're sort of the same, and yet they're sort of completely different. So music composers, right, um, if, if you think of, if, if you're trying to figure out what does mean what exactly does mean music composition well a music composer is a little bit more like when you hear john williams latest star wars soundtrack right like that is a composition um or or you know if you're listening to classical music on the radio by written by vivaldi or by bach you know that's music composition is that sort of stuff So, the tendency is that that tends to be without vocals or for the vocals to simply be in a supplementary role, sort of like every other instrument, right? Whereas with songwriting, usually the vocals are the focal point, right? Like everything's built around the vocals. So, songwriting is sort of uh, a union between composition, uh, watered down, well, I hate to say watered down, but less complex composition. And then poetry, right? So a part of the art of songwriting is, is, is moving people via the lyrics and melody, which is the, the focal point. Whereas often in compositions, there, again, to be clear, there are many compositions with lyrics. There are also many compositions with lyrics that are fairly important. But it's also very common, right, for what we consider great compositions to be in, like, dead languages, like Latin, or languages that people don't understand who are enjoying this music. Because that's not necessarily the focal point. It usually is not. Composition has a, a huge emphasis on every individual note and what instrument is playing it and, and why. And they just see music on a note-by-note basis. Whereas often as songwriters, we sort of see our songs as, as three main things. We see it as lyrics... Melody, which the lyrics are sung with, so it's a huge emphasis on that vocal again. The vocal has two of the three main parts of our song, and then that third part is chords, or chord progression. So we see chords sort of as, as just one thing, right? Whereas a, in music composition, it's basically diving deeply into that chords part, that third part, and and, and being much more... um intentional about what every individual note within the chords what they're doing and in different melodies and harmonies so it gets much more into the complexities of that um so songwriters tend to utilize a much more simplistic music backdrop which is not necessarily bad right so to address the whole uh songwriters versus composers thing in my experience composers tend to be overly pretentious towards like well, you know, the the music is so simple for songwriting. And first of all, that's not always true. Um, there's different levels, right? There are, like, some pop music, right, is, is truly just three different chords that are simple triads, and it's super simplistic, and that's it. But um, at least I can speak for myself with the songs I write. It's not musically complex like a, a full composition, usually, but... I very rarely just use simplistic triads that have nothing interesting about them, and I use the same three chords. Like I rarely do that, and and I am certainly not alone in that. There's many songwriters who are not truly that simplistic. Uh, but that being said, I think what they they're missing is for a composer, the entire art of their song, of their piece, their song, whatever you want to call it is in the intricacies of the music that's all there is usually right like like w- what what the violin is doing exactly what note it hits and so so they're diving deeper into that musical part whereas the art for the songwriter is fundamentally different there's the importance of the lyric which hopefully if you're listening to this podcast you should know I think lyrics are incredibly important if the lyrics don't aren't great what is even the point of the song Um, so we're sort of poets, right? Which is a whole aspect that often a composer doesn't get into at all. And, and then the, the importance of melody. So really the job of a songwriter, at the end of the day, the job of both, right? Is to make people feel something is really what it comes down to, right? Like at the end of the day, if a musical piece doesn't make you feel something, it probably has failed, right? So like, if you, if you think of a soundtrack, right? Like, like, you know, the the feeling you get when you hear Darth Vader's theme, aka the imperial march, or when you f- hear the, the emperor's theme, right, that just feels evil, right, or the force theme that sort of gives you hope, like, oh, good can win, you know, like, that is succeeding in its job, and at the end of the day, both composition and songwriting, that's primarily their job, to make somebody feel what you intend them to feel, they just have different ways of doing that, uh, songwriting, more of an emphasis on the lyrics and melody, whereas music composition is 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 via diving deeper into the intricacies of specifically the um the chords if you will um the chords and melody and neither is necessarily harder or easier than the other i i, I will say that music composition definitely requires a more firm understanding of music theory whereas you can get away with not knowing that much music theory as a songwriter i think you are severely uh, limited without music theory knowledge as i've said 50 times already this podcast and a million times in the scheme of uh this this podcast in general like not just this episode um but it's 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 possible um but the complexity as a songwriter is in is is more in the marriage of the lyrics and melody to the music and some other challenges that 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 we as songwriters have that I, I think composers don't as much so it's just it's just different um, and then on the other side, songwriters tend to uh basically sometimes composers are right where songwriters can be way overly simplistic with what they do with the musical side, uh, which is fine for some songs right but at some point you need to move away from c major g major. A minor, F major. You know what I mean? Like, there's more to, there's so much more available to just make it slightly more interesting with an add chord and a sus chord and and some other things um, that you're really missing out if you just always pick up the guitar, use the same three, four chords, and call it a day. There's just so much more interest you can add to a song. So, this is probably the longest intro in history. um that that I that I've done uh but let us dive in so the first thing is whatever goes up should also go down or stay the same uh so first caveat here music rules are made to be broken okay so all of these rules take with a grain of salt uh generally what you should think of when i say rules we're saying that they are meant to be broken only sometimes, and only if you know what you're doing. Usually, um, so these—it's—it's it's like any art rule, right? Like, like of course they're meant to be broken, but they shouldn't be broken willy nilly. You should think to yourself, okay, why am I breaking this rule? Is there a good reason? Um, because usually the rule exists for a good reason. Um, so, so one of these rules, this first rule that composers have is not all notes should go up and down at the same time, right? So if your vocal is going up, and at the same time your chord goes up, and and by chord I mean your every note of your chord on guitar, right? The whole power chord slides up, for instance, and then your bass slides up, and your piano part, all the notes slide up. You know, you don't, you don't want everything to move up at the same time. You usually want something to be either staying the same or going down, right? So, um, and this can be accomplished in, in many different ways. Like one, one part can certainly all shift up. So if you have a power chord and you move the whole power cord up, that's totally fine. But maybe your lead guitar should go down, and maybe some filler guitar should go up at the same time, and then some other guitar or violin should be holding the same note. Um. So, composers have this rule as as, as a place to begin. So, if they see that their violin is going up, and the cello's going up, and the piano's going up, and the oboes going up, and the flute going up, and they're all going up at the same time, they usually know okay. This is probably going to sound off it's going to not sound cohesive it's 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 this is usually not going to sound right now there are times to do that intentionally because you want to intentionally give that weird off feeling or whatever feeling it may give um, but normally, you don't want to do that um so they think of stuff like that whereas we as songwriters often often don't really think like that uh, but it's a very helpful way to think to help create more interest in your parts. So I I, I often like to, um, in my songs, when it comes to like writing the piano part, I might not think too much about that. Usually, by nature, I have up and down sort of at the same time. But I'm not that worried about it, too, because I know my other parts is where I'm going to address the idea of, like, okay, I'm not going to move everything up at once. So even if my piano part's generally moving up, even if every note's moving up... And that's true of the power chord as well, and the bass part. I know that with what I call filler guitars, which the idea of filler guitars is they're usually doing arpeggios or stuff like that, Um, but they're not like lead guitar parts. So they're not like a solo. They're not usually holding some sort of true melody. These are sort of guitar parts that are filling in the mix, if you will. So I call them filler guitars. It doesn't mean they're not important. Um, I think I've done a podcast on those before. Uh, Check out some of my arranging podcasts if you want more on that. Um, But the idea is that it's with those filler guitars or other parts that I know I'm going to add to a song where I know I'm going to address the whole like, okay, I want one note to kind of stay the same for the whole chorus, more or less. And then if the the chorus is really moving up during a certain time, I'm going to make sure at least one part is out there that the, the listener can hear that's actually going down. Um, because it helps the song sound more cohesive. So think of your song sort of like an ecosystem. It's not like the deer and wolf populations are going to move up and down together, right? And then, you know, the grass. Also, there's more grass growing, right? Like the the deer eats the grass, and then since there's so much grass around, the deer population goes up. And if the deer population is going up, that probably indicates... That there are fewer wolves than before. So maybe the wolves are dying off some, and that's why there are fewer deer getting eaten. So there's so many deer. But now there's few wolves and a ton of deer, which means those wolves are eaten really well, right? So now they're going to have more wolf pups, and they're going to be able to feed all their wolf pups because there's so many deer to feed them with. So now the deer population is going to start to go down as the wolf population goes back up. Right so like an ecosystem it's all a bunch of things depending on each other where each one is sort of going down and up at the same time and they all, they all work together right but they're not all doing the same thing right like it's not it's not like the the mosquito population and bat population go up at the same time uh they might at certain times but then that's because there's something else in the ecosystem at work that's causing each of those two things so you should think of your song in a very similar way, where your song should live and breathe and ebb and flow. And each part it needs to be its own sort of interconnected story. Each part's telling its story, but it's all in this interconnected web of your song ecosystem. And this is really the way that a composer is going to see music uh, that we as songwriters, I think, often don't really. So... That's the first one. Whatever goes up should also go down or stay the same. Um, something to think about when you're arranging your song specifically. Number two. Every instrument and part choice is important. So be honest with me. Have you ever just written a song on piano? And then you just threw in a lead guitar. And then you're like, well, I need rhythm guitar too. And then recorded bass and drums. And then you called it a day. Right? You're like, uh, eh, song's done. Did you even ask yourself if the lead guitar would be better as a piano part or take some time to arrange some extra guitar parts to fill out the mix? Filler guitars, as I just talked about. Did you try your piano part as a quartet of violins instead? Uh, Probably not, right? We as songwriters, uh, I think, tend away from that. We tend to like, well, this is the way I wrote it. And you think to yourself, okay, I need a lead guitar, and I need a rhythm guitar, and and we have these things, checkboxes, right, that we say we need, and then we tend to ignore the rest. But a composer is going to put great care into each instrument choice, and then what every part is playing at every moment of the song— Right so if they have flutes come in there's a reason they chose flutes instead of the oboe there's a reason they chose violin to carry the melody in this part instead of the cello there's they they have reasons for choosing each instrument and then they have they have they're intentional about what part each instrument is playing as well each part has a job right if the violin is carrying the melody at this time then the cello's job is not to carry the melody, right? It has a different job. Maybe the cello's job is to simply harmonize with the violin in a similar way that you would have a vocal harmony, right? It's sort of staying with the same rhythm, but it's playing a note that's harmonious, if you will, with the melody. Um, Or maybe it's sort of giving a backdrop chords. Maybe it's playing staccato notes, as opposed to the legato that the uh, violin is playing. Whatever it is, they're being intentional about all the different parts, what instrument they chose, why, and they're going to be able to answer questions like that. Like, well, okay, well, why is that? Why would you choose a violin for this part instead of the flute, right? Because they share a lot of the same range. Why would you choose that? Whereas for us, often, I think we're just like, well, lead guitar, it's just what you do. Right, like you didn't even entertain the idea of making it a violin instead. You didn't even, you know, you might not have even entertained the idea of like a non-distorted guitar. Like you can change the effect of the guitar, and there should be again, there should be a reason for that. Like, why is it an overdriven guitar? Why is it, you know, a uh, uh, a guitar that that has a lot of distortion? Why why is it a guitar that has a, a huge reverb tail on it? You should be able to answer the question of. of of why he did that. And a composer is going to be able to do that. Every single part is important, not just the vocal and lead guitar. And every part, I've, I've said this before, I'm going to keep saying it, every part has a job to do. Right? It's like football. Right? The offense, you don't notice the offensive line until your team has a terrible offensive line. I, as a Denver Broncos fan, Uh, and intimately aware of how important offensive tackles are because our offensive line have been garbage and specifically our tackles recently have been garbage. If I see Garrett Bowles get one more holding call, I'm going to punch a wall. So I, as a Broncos fan, it's very easy for me to recognize that like, it's easy to see how the quarterback's important, but there's so much more to it, right? Like the years Tom Brady doesn't have a great offensive line. He's not, he's not nearly as good. You know what I mean? Like, it's because he has all day that he can make those passes. And and so just because, you know, the wide receivers are the stars because they put up the cool numbers and they do cool things and they make fancy catch- catches like Odell's famous one-handed catch, um, that doesn't mean they're necessarily more important. They just have a different job to do. A wide receiver has a different job than a quarterback, which has a different job than a cornerback which has a different job than a linebacker who has a different job than an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman and even within that an offensive tackle has a slightly different job than the center right the center needs to snap the ball to the quarterback so if you're not a football fan right now i may have totally lost you but the idea right is that each player or each instrument each part within your song has a job to do and a composer is going to put great love and care and interest into each part. They understand that each part is important. Whereas as songwriters we sometimes have a tendency to just like throw a guitar in there. Like, well we need a bleed guitar because that's just what songs have, so put it in. Right? We don't we don't really think about why. What is it doing? What is the job of this guitar part? Is it just there because I recorded it and I liked it and I put it in? That's not a good reason. It it needs to have a it has a job to do. And a composer is always going to think about that and know that. Uh, whereas as songwriters, sometimes we tend to be lazy about that and not think about that. So that's the second thing. Every instrument and part choice is important. So we have whatever goes up should also go down or stay the same. And every instrument and part choice is important. So what's the last one? Bringing us home. The last one is chords are harmony. Chords are harmony. So what do I mean by that? Let's look at how we usually look at songs as songwriters. I've mentioned this before, but we'll say it again. We usually think lyrics, melody, and chords slash chord progression. That's what fundamentally makes up a song, right? If we copyright a song, that is basically what you're copywriting. Your combination of lyrics, melody, and chord progression. When we think of harmonies, if I say the word harmonies, what are you thinking about right now? If you come from a songwriting background, primarily, you're probably thinking vocal harmonies that we use to support our vocal melody, right? That's usually how we use it, right? If I say to you, oh, I'm going to record my harmonies today, you're probably thinking, oh, he's recording his vocal harmonies to go along with his melody he probably already recorded for his song. But by definition, harmonies are the combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes to produce chords and chord progressions having a pleasing effect, according to the all-knowing Google. So, if you think about that, that's literally every musical note that's supplementing the melody, right? So our our concept of, of harmony is highly limited. That's not really what harmony is. Harmony is everything, all of the different notes supporting the melody. That's what harmony is. So your guitar part is harmony. Your piano part is harmony. Your bass part, harmony. The violin part you threw in, the synth part you threw in, all of that is harmony. So what's the takeaway from that? The takeaway is you don't have to move chords around in rigid chord progressions made up of simple triads. There's so many different colorations available. From suspended chords, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Go check out that podcast. Add chords, which I believe we haven't talked about yet, but we will. Uh, Different inversions and more. So, you know, as songwriters, we often think of chord progression or chord changes C major to G major, right? So on a keyboard, C major, G major, right? That's sort of how we think often as songwriters, as chord progressions or as a chord change. But a composer doesn't simply go from C major chord to G major chord. That's not how they're thinking about it, right? We often think sort of like guitarists, partially because a lot of us are guitarists, where we just sort of know, like, this is a C chord, this is a G chord, and I change from this to this. You didn't think about all the individual notes and how they're moving, right? You just know this is a C chord, this is a G chord, and I want to go from this to this. A composer is gonna break down every single note and choose exactly where that note goes to. So, this is sort of connected with the idea of all the notes not going up or down together. So, let's look at this again. I said C, right? And G. I moved all those notes up, right? Which, on its own, sounds okay. But a composer is thinking, okay, I have this C chord. I'm going to move it to, I, I think I want a G major chord. Just a simple triad. We'll keep it a simple triad. We're not even going to do anything fancy, if you want to call it that, and add a note. Or do any do anything else, like add a seventh, or, or uh, maybe suspend sus four, sus two. We're not even going to do any of that fancy stuff. But they might think, okay... We're going from a C chord, where we have a C, E, G. And we're going to go to a G chord. And they're like, okay, we're going to keep this G the same. Because we know that a G is also in a G chord. But this E, that's not in a G chord. Let's just move that down to the D. Because we know there is a D in a G chord. And then we're going to take this C and move that down to a B. Because that's pretty close. right? And now we have a G chord. Because we have a B, D. Gee, so now we have, right, that sounds, that sounds much more connected together than this, right? That just sounds like, oh, he just moved his whole hand up, like, okay, but as you get into the complexities of a song, right, like this is, is it feels more cohesive, it feels like it's the same part of a song. So now we essentially have the G staying the same, and then these two notes, the C, E, going down to D, or sorry, B, D. So a composer sees it like that, with they see each individual note in what it's doing. So they might have C, which is, again, a simple C triad in the root position. With a, with C in the bass, if you can call it that. I'm playing it high up on the keyboard, I know. Uh, but that's because that's what's closest to my mic, so I can keep talking. Um, but a composer's like, okay, I think I'm going to move down here for, for, for the G. But I'm actually going to put a D in the bass, so I'm going to have the bass go up. Ooh. So now, so now, instead of just this, this right here, right, C, G major. So that's really just a one. If assuming we're in the key of C, a one to a five chord. But thinking about it like a composer, and using some concept of intervals and, or sorry, of uh, inversions, um, we're able to make it more interesting and, and put more thought into it because fundamentally, this. That's like a just simple C to G, right? I just fully committed. I just moved the triad up, and then did C in the bass, octaves, and G in the bass, octaves. But that has a totally different tone than this. It's the same chord progression. Totally different. And you know what's even more different? Let's move down. Ooh. I chose a B in the bass this time, which is also in a plain old G chord, which sounds different than this, right? So so that's what allows you to be intentional about what your bass line is, and, and, and have a bass line that is, is not necessarily just whatever the chord is, like, oh, it's a G chord, so do a G in the bass, Oh, well, maybe you can do a B in the bass, you can do a D in the bass, and then you know, obvi- obviously you don't need to do a plain old G chord. You can do something even more different where you have a G chord with an A in the bass, right? So that's how a composer thinking. Because a composer might be like, oh, I just want to do a descending bass line. You know, C, B, A, and they'll work that in, right? Because they're seeing each part as its own entity. And they know that it needs to all fit together and work, right but, but, but fundamentally, they're looking at every single note because they understand that all the chords is just harmony it's it's all parts working together in that ebb and flow, and so so they're looking at all the individual notes, which is what which is what makes creates such musical interest right like the the difference between just c major to g major and even just the very simplistic where we didn't even we didn't even get into adding different notes or anything. We just chose differently which, you know, which coloration of G chord, right? This to this or this to this or this to, you know, we could do another inversion of the G chord like this. Right? That's another G chord. And you know, this that's a simple C to G that's also a simple C to G, but it sounds totally different, right? which sounds totally different than this and the only thing we changed is what our quote-unquote bass part in this case not very bass because I'm high up on the keyboard but um, what our, our, our bass part was doing but it's the exact same chords and, and that's really how a composer is going to look at it as compared to a songwriter, which gives you so much more of a tool of what you can do to create musical interest. So, hopefully one of the messages you get from this was how important music theory is. Because a lot of these things aren't necessarily directly music theory, but they certainly relate music theory and maybe you don't like the idea of music theory maybe you think it's you still think it's some music education nonsense but the reality is that composers have a much more vast and powerful toolbox musically because of their knowledge of music theory now that doesn't make composers better than songwriters right I consider myself a songwriter who also can do composing uh, to a certain level at least So, I identify as a songwriter. I personally think the most powerful way to move somebody is via songwriting. I am biased towards songwriting. I am not dissing songwriting as compared to composition. I just think that, like, I think composers could learn some things from songwriters that are very important, and similarly, I think we as songwriters can learn things from composers. And that's true of a lot of things, right? Like, the way a basketball player could probably learn a thing or two from a football player. Or a hockey player could learn a thing or two from football strategy, right? Even though it doesn't directly apply, there are things to be learned, or how you know chess can teach you concepts about business, um, which is actually a real thing. There's an article out there called like, "Good bosses play checkers, great bosses play chess," uh, which is very interesting. And I actually, it actually relates to music as well, sort of what we were just talking about. So the idea, right, is. In checkers, all the pieces move the same way, right? Fundamentally, all of the checkers, they, they move the same way. They move diagonally, one space. And then they can jump over if, you know, there's a gap or whatever. Um, but in chess, right, you understand that every piece has a different job to do. Every piece works differently. So that's sort of like how compos- composers see music, right? Composers understand that... Their violin part fundamentally has a different job than their lead guitar part, than their, you know, all the different parts. They understand that. Whereas we as songwriters, I think, sometimes tend to play checkers a little too much when it comes to music, like C chord to G chord. Um, So, music theory is so important. And sure, you can be a solid songwriter, maybe even a good songwriter, without it. Just like you can probably get into Major League Baseball without playing Little League Baseball. But your chance of being a really great baseball player who can get into Major League Baseball is going to be much higher when you play as a small child. Just like your chance and your ability to, to consistently turn out good, interesting music is going to be higher because of a higher musical knowledge of music theory. And this idea that music theory is this boring, uh, you know, super convoluted concept, it's not. Like, there's so many simple, practical music theory things that you can easily learn in a weekend, right? Like, there's absolutely music theory out there that nobody needs to know, like a French chord. Nobody needs to know that crap. It's worthless. I'll be the first one to tell you that. Um, Someday, maybe I'll try to intentionally use a French chord, but it it will sound like garbage because French chords are stupid. Um, Sorry, composers out there who may like it. But generally in songwriting, it's worthless. Um, So yes, there is a bunch of music theory that is... It's like everything else, right? Me as a software developer, there's tons of software stuff I don't need to know. Like, I don't need to know how the language underneath my language works which i don't even know how to explain that to a non-computer scientist but assembly language is what i'm talking about if you are a software developer like myself you know I, like understanding how how assembly language works like we try to tell ourselves in college that that's worthwhile and but it's not it's stupid it makes it doesn't help you be a better software developer sorry i mean maybe extremely marginally maybe 0.01 percent better but like not much and there's absolutely music theory the same way right for everything there's a certain level of expertise where you where it becomes diminishing returns right so you know for example to learn personal finance you may maybe for the first 40 hours of personal finance every hour of learning is like worth thousands of dollars but then at some point you know so much that all the little intricacies you can learn um, is it has diminishing returns, right? Like you spent twenty more hours to learn something that nobody ever needs to know about certain tax, whatever, right? So every single thing, your level of expertise at some point has diminishing returns, and music theory is no different. The issue is that sometimes people and songwriters have a tendency to get so lazy and not even learn the really important stuff that would help anybody a ton. Um, and the good news is I have a guide totally free that will teach you simply the stuff you really need to know. It has four main sections with the four main parts of music theory that are not hard to understand that I think everybody needs to know as a songwriter. You just need to know. Um, can you songwrite without it? Sure. Do I absolutely guarantee that you can use these concepts to level up your songwriting and just... Absolutely revolutionize how you can songwrite. Absolutely, um, this guide will help you to learn. It even tells you how to read through the guide to get the most out of it, to, to make sure you really learn um, what you really need to learn. Um, and you know what? You could do it easily. I bet in you know what in under an hour you could read it and get a lot from it. And if you really take the time to run through it the way I tell you to, you can, in one weekend, or shorter, go from no music theory knowledge to knowing all the music theory you really, really need to know, fundamentally, to just crush it at songwriting. And again, totally free. My gift to you, as the loyal listeners and subscribers, which, if you're not a subscriber, hit subscribe. Um... Totally free at songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. That's songwriter musictheoryguide slash music theory guide. Totally free. Go download it. You will not regret it. Lots of people already have. It's super useful. And I'm here to help you. And what better way than for you to go get this guide, which will also help you if you sometimes feel confused when I mention certain things. Um, pretty much everything that I mention and sometimes assume that you as a listener know, uh, will be in this guide with those four main concepts that I go over and teach you. So again, songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide, all one word. I will have that link in the description. And again, thank you so much for listening. For those of you who left reviews, I appreciate it. If you, if this podcast was so long that you forgot that I asked for you to leave a review, leave it now. Because this is the end of the podcast. So go ahead. Hit pause. Because I'm not going to say anything else important from here on out. This is just the outro. So go leave a review if you can give five stars. If you can't, again, shoot me an email. Joseph j-o-s-e-p-h at songwritertheory.com and let me know how i can do better let me know if was this podcast way too freaking long do you want it to be longer do you want me to talk about music theory more do you want me to talk about it less do you want me to dive more into lyric writing which is my personal favorite thing uh or arranging what do you want to learn about Feel free to email me about that too. I've had several people email me with requests. And so far, I think I've done all of the things that I've been asked to do. Uh, Because again, I'm here to help you. And I appreciate you all. Because otherwise, I would be talking to no one. Have an awesome week, guys.